Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 101 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Yesterday was, of course, our 100th episode, and we celebrated by taking some of your guys' questions in a special mailbag edition of the podcast. And today, episode 101, we're going to continue doing that. We're going to pick up right where we left off and continue to answer some questions that you guys have sent in. And so let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to start with a question from Kyle McMorrow. Now, Kyle was a friend of mine in college. He's still a friend of mine. I just haven't seen him in a really long time. But interesting thing about Kyle... During our freshman and sophomore years of college, we used to play pickup football, and I used to think I was pretty fast until I had to guard Kyle a couple times. If you don't give him a 10-yard cushion, if you don't line up at least 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, you got no chance. He's going to fly right by you every single time. But yeah, Kyle, good dude, and I'm glad to hear from him here. And he asks, how much will the Rangers regret re-signing Kreider three to four years from now? And Kyle, that's a great question, and I'm really glad you asked it because anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you guys know that I've been firmly in the keep Chris Kreider camp. I just felt like, you know, at a certain point, a veteran of Chris Kreider's caliber becomes more valuable to you than, you know, a draft pick or a prospect who may or may not pan out with the Rangers long term. But it's good to hear somebody from the other side of the equation because I know those people are out there, Kyle included, who maybe felt that it would have been better for the Rangers to trade Kreider and get a King's ransom in exchange for him. This was, after all, a little bit of a seller's market at the deadline this season. There weren't a ton of bona fide superstars who were available. And so a guy like Chris Kreider would have fetched the Rangers a pretty nice return. I'm sure they would have at least gotten a first round draft pick in exchange for him, maybe even a prospect as well, maybe even a guy who's already on an NHL roster and who has some upside. So the case can certainly be made that the Rangers should have traded Chris Kreider. I still firmly believe that they made the right decision in hanging on to him. But to answer Kyle's question, I don't think the Rangers are going to be regretting this move as soon as just three or four years from now, because you know, you got to remember that Chris Kreider right now is just 28 years old. So in three years, he's only going to be 31. In four years, he's only going to be 32. And certainly that's not ancient by any means. I think the new contract was reasonable for both sides. And for anybody who needs a refresher, Kreider's new contract is for seven years and $45.5 million. That is an average annual value of $6.5 million per year. So I don't think the Rangers overreached here. I don't think they paid him like he's an elite, bonafide superstar. They paid him for what he is, and that's a a very solid all-around player. So I really don't think the Rangers are going to regret this deal as soon as three or four years from now. However, it is a seven-year contract, and Kyle, to your point, I think at a certain point, it might get to where Chris Kreider is overpaid, and I think that'll happen maybe in year six or year seven of the deal. It's entirely possible that by then, you know, the Rangers won't want to have to pay Chris Kreider as much as they're going to be paying him at that time, but that's kind of how these deals work, whether it's hockey or whatever sport it might be. I think when you reach out and you sign someone to a long-term deal and you give them, you know, a seven-year contract, a nine-year contract, in baseball you see, you know, 11, 12, 10-year contracts, 
you kind of do that knowing full well that by the end of this deal, it may not be looking so pretty. I mean, if you want to look at MLB right now, you can look at Albert Pujols. And Albert Pujols is not a bad player, but the Angels are still paying a ridiculous amount for him. And certainly he's fallen off in recent seasons. But to a lesser extent, that could happen with Chris Kreider as well. By the time we get into year six of the deal or year seven of the deal, he's going to be older. In year six, let's see, he will be 30 four years old, and in year seven, he's going to be 35. So by then, you know, obviously that blinding speed that he has right now might be slowing down a little bit. Maybe all that time he spends in front of the net, you know, taking a beating and just struggling for position and, you know, taking a cross check in the back to do it. Maybe that catches up with him as well, and he can't go to the net as often and with as much spunk as he does right now. So yeah, it's entirely possible that in year six and seven of this deal, you know, Kreider may not be the same player that he is right now. And at that point, he might be overpaid. But again, if you want to hang on to your guys, you do have to kind of tack on that extra year or two at the end of the contract, knowing full well that that player may not be the same player then that he is right now. So Kyle, I absolutely, I can appreciate your concern. But from my perspective, the way that I look at it is how many more draft picks and how many more prospects do the Rangers really need to acquire? I mean, they have absolutely stocked the cupboard with draft picks over these last few seasons. They are the youngest team in the NHL. And at some point, for me anyway, uh, a guy like Chris Kreider just simply becomes more valuable than a draft pick or a prospect that may or may not work out. Because with Chris Kreider, the Rangers know exactly what they have, and what they have here is a rock-solid player, a leader, a guy who goes to the net, a guy who scores a bunch of goals on deflections, and someone who could very well be the next New York Rangers captain. And when you're dealing with the youngest team in the NHL, you got to keep at least a couple of veterans around. You know, they've they've shown the door to guys, beloved players like Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes and Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. They've sent all these guys away. At some point, you got to dig your toes into the sand a little bit and at least keep around a veteran or two. And, you know, I keep calling Chris Carter a veteran. Again, he's only 28 years old. He's been on the Rangers for a long time, so it probably feels like he's older than that. But again, still in his late 20s and a guy who I think is going to be a very strong player for the Rangers going forward and basically be what he's been over his Ranger tenure. And what that is, is that is a very solid player, a very versatile player, not quite a superstar. But again, the Rangers aren't paying him like a superstar. So I don't have too many concerns about the Rangers overpaying Chris Kreider. I don't think it's going to kill them in the long term. And if you look after next season, the Rangers have a lot of money coming off the books because Henrik Lundqvist is going to be a free agent. Brendan Smith is going to be a free agent. Mark Stahl is going to be a free agent. My guess is that all three of those guys will be on their way. They will not come back to the Rangers. The Rangers will not re-sign them. And even if they do, it's going to be at a fraction of what they currently make. So I like the Chris Kreider deal. Again, I think it was a fair price for, for both sides. I give Chris Kreider a lot of credit for wanting to stay with the Rangers because it had to be tempting for him to maybe test the free agent waters and see what kind of deal he could get out there because he probably could have gotten more. You know, if, if you're able to negotiate with all 31 NHL teams, there's a pretty decent chance that somebody might have offered him even more than the Rangers gave him. And so, you know, give Kreider credit and give the Rangers credit for getting it done, understanding that this game has a pulse and understanding that, you know, beyond what Kreider gives you on the ice and what we all see, you know, behind the scenes, he's just as important because he's he's kind of a big brother type to a lot of guys in that locker room. Again, it is an extraordinarily young team. Now, again, it is a seven-year deal. And to Kyle's point, you know, maybe in year six or seven, that's not looking so good. And Chris Kreider is an overpaid player. But even at that time, he'll still be one of the veterans in that locker room, even more so than he is now. He'll still be a leader. He might still be the Ranger captain by then. We will have to wait and see how that goes. But yeah, I, for one... I, I like the deal, and I'm, I'm glad that this front office, you know, I understand the rebuild and all that, but now it, it's looking like 
they understand that at times you, you do have to keep these veterans in the fold. It can't just be a constant, never-ending recycling and sending veterans out the door in exchange for draft picks and prospects, especially when the Rangers have a lot of draft picks and a lot of prospects. So again, I like the deal, but certainly I can appreciate uh, Kyle's point of view as well, maybe looking to get a King's Ransom in a seller's market for a Chris Kreider. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked-on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. We've got a question here from Will from Boca Raton, Florida. Will writes, I'm a huge Florida Panthers fan. My buddy Dan is a huge Rangers fan, and we just love hockey in general. My question is, what do you think the Rangers are going to do this offseason with the three-goalie situation? Igor, no doubt, should be the starting goalie for next season. But what about Lundqvist and Georgiev? Should the Rangers trade Lundqvist or Georgiev, preferably to the Florida Panthers since Bobrovsky is not having a good year, buy out Lundqvist's contract, or release Georgiev to free agency? This is an interesting situation, and I would love to hear your opinion on it. Thank you for reading this. Love listening to you, and have a great rest of your day. You too, Will, and, and thanks for the question. And to answer your question, let, let's start with Bobrovsky. Uh, Bobrovsky isn't going anywhere, and I understand you're a Panthers fan, and you're probably a little bit disappointed out of what you've gotten from Bobrovsky this year because he obviously got the huge contract in the offseason. He got a seven-year, $70 million contract, so that is an average annual value, obviously, of $10 million per season. And to be frank, he's not playing like it because so far in his first year as a Panther, Bobrovsky is 23-19-6. and six. He has a goals against average of 323, a save percentage of 900, and just one shutout. And they're not going to move on from Bobrovsky, A, because they already gave him a pretty big commitment with that contract, and B, because there's really no way for them to move on from Bobrovsky because, again, he's in the first year of a seven-year contract and he has a full no-movement clause. And with the season that he's had right now, you know, I don't know if maybe as a Panther fan you might want to trade him, but nobody's going to trade for him right now because, you know, he is 31 years old. That's not ancient, but when you're having a career-worst season, you don't really have a lot of trade value, and that is especially true when you're making $10 million per season. So I don't think there's any way possible that the Panthers are going to be able to move Bobrovsky this offseason unless you can find some team that truly believes that Bobrovsky is just having a flukishly bad season and they fully expect him to round back into form and if the Panthers are willing to eat some of the money. But I think the Panthers' best bet right now is just to stay the course with Bobrovsky and just keep your fingers crossed and hope that this, again, is just a fluke and that he'll round back into form next season. You know, maybe he needed to go through a little bit of an adjustment period here with the Panthers. Maybe he's more comfortable there next season. He knows his teammates a little bit better. And, you know, he goes back to being the Bobrovsky that Panther fans all hope 
that he will be. And you're not going to replace him with Alex Georgiev, who is relatively untested. He's only appeared in 77 games. He's got a goals against average of three, a save percentage of 913, and four career shutouts. And I know we all like Georgiev, but those numbers don't exactly jump off the paper. And I realize part of the reason why they're not that impressive is because he's mostly been playing around a young, rebuilding team. Obviously, I think Georgiev, this year he's got a 304 goals against average, and I think he's outperformed that. I think he's also outperformed his 910 save percentage. Georgiev's had a solid season for the Rangers, you know, despite an underwhelming goals against average. But yeah, I think the Panthers, they're going to be rolling forward with Bobrovsky. I, I just don't see any other way it can really unfold. And, you know, as a Panther fan, Will, you just, you just got to hang in there and hope that Bobrovsky rounds back into form either this season or certainly by next season. And as far as what the Rangers will do this offseason with the three goalies, it's a great question. I think you're absolutely right. Igor Shesterkin is going to be the starting goalie going forward and hopefully be a franchise goalie, a franchise backbone for many, many years to come. As for Lundqvist and Georgiev, I made this clear coming into the trade deadline this season that I think that Henrik Lundqvist should waive his no-move clause and go to a team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Obviously, the trade deadline has come and gone this year, so that won't be happening right now. But maybe it's an alternative that you can explore in the offseason because I, like a lot of Ranger fans, would love to see Henrik Lundqvist somehow, some way, conclude his season by lifting the Stanley Cup. And even if hockey does return this year, I don't think the Rangers are winning the Cup this year. And, you know, as excited as I am about this team, I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup next year. So I would love to see him go to a team like Colorado. And even if he's not the starter, maybe he can just kind of latch onto a team and go get himself a Stanley Cup. So my preference would be Henrik Lundqvist waves his no-move clause in the offseason and the Rangers trade him to a big-time Stanley Cup contender. I would love to keep Alex Georgiev around, but he is a restricted free agent. And I don't think you can just give a truckload of money to a guy who in all likelihood is going to be the backup goalie. So if it's reasonable, if the Rangers can keep Georgiev at a reasonable price, and again, Georgiev is a restricted free agent, so the Rangers will have every opportunity to match any offer that he receives from any other team. But again, I don't think you can spend an arm and a leg on your backup goalie. So it's all going to depend... You know, is there another team? Maybe it's the Panthers. I don't I don't think it'll be the Panthers because they got enough money tied up in Bobrovsky. But is there some other team out there that will make an offer to Georgiev and, and give him starting goalie type money? And if they do that, then I don't think the Rangers can hang on to him and they're just gonna have to look elsewhere for a backup goalie or just keep Lundqvist. If Lundqvist doesn't want to waive his no move clause, then maybe you're looking at a situation where Shesterkin is your starter next season and Lundqvist is your backup and he can just play out his contract, the last year of his contract on the Rangers. We've got a question here from Cody Sestito, and Cody is a really good friend of mine. I've played a ton of baseball with Cody, both as a teammate and as an opponent as well. He is the best catcher in the Men's Senior Baseball League, 28 and over, and just a really good friend, and he's a big-time Rangers fan. And his question is, if the Rangers can grab a playoff spot, are you comfortable with the depth this team has? And in a word, no. But if, if we look at this a little bit more closely, you can kind of see why the Rangers are a fringe playoff team and why they're not, you know, at or near the top of the standings is because they don't really have a ton of depth. And when you look at the depth chart right now, and I realize part of this is because Chris Kreider is out, but even the Rangers' top six forwards right now, two of them are Philip DiGiuseppe and Jesper Foss. And it's nothing against either one of those players. I don't have anything against either one of them. Jesper Foss, you know, I'm a big fan of him. He's just a grinded-out type player. And Philip DiGiuseppe, I think, has overachieved and played fairly well for the Rangers since making his debut. But, man, like, you, your top six forwards, you want scoring, man. You want points. And the Rangers just aren't going to get a lot of that out of either one of those two guys. And then if you go to the bottom six right now, it gets really barren because you've got third line right now, 
Brett Howden centering Brendan Lemieux and Capo Caco. Now, obviously, Caco's got a ton of upside. The sky could be the limit for Caco as soon as next year. We talked about Caco quite a bit on yesterday's episode, but he's not quite there yet. He hasn't produced like a you know top six forward this season. Brett Howden, eh, I mean, he's he's struggled a little bit. I think um you know he's done okay on the penalty kill. You know, I, I like what I've seen from him on the PK this season, but not exactly setting the world on fire. And then the fourth line right now, you've got Greg McKaig centering Stephen Fogarty and Julian Gauthier. And, you know, Gauthier, another guy I'm really bullish on. I, I think he has a chance to be a really good player. But, you know, I, again, there's just not a ton of depth here. And the Rangers, they're going to be up against it if they have to go up against a team like the Bruins or the Caps or the Flyers or the Lightning. So yeah, depth is definitely a concern if the Rangers do make the postseason this year. But to me, the bigger picture here is, and and the positive way to look at this, is that the Rangers, again, youngest team in the NHL, a lot of these guys have never skated in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If the Rangers do somehow eke their way into the tournament, then they are going to all receive invaluable experience playing in the postseason. And who knows? You know, at that point, you just roll the dice, you take your chances. Maybe the Rangers can pull off some stunning first-round upset and, and make some noise in the postseason, or at least give a team like the Bruins, a team like the the Capitals a run for their money. You know, if the Rangers somehow end up matched up against the Capitals, we know the kind of playoff wars that they've had over the over the years. And I know the Rangers team has changed a lot and players have come and gone on the caps as well. But hey, you know, let's roll the dice and let's let's see what happens. To me, yes, depth is an issue, but I'll take my chances because I want to see these kids get into the playoffs, get some postseason experience, and give us all some New York Ranger playoff hockey because it's been three years and let's go ahead and snap the playoff drought a little bit sooner than we thought we would. Let's go to a question from Mark Iamundo, and Mark is a good friend of mine from the 311 community. Of course, I just went to 311 Day over this past week, and Mark is also a big fan of Pacifier, and of course, Pacifier, they do the song that you hear in our intro in every episode, Leave the Lights On. So, so Mark's a good dude, and he asks, how about a Yager versus Panarin debate? That amazing season Yogs had, I think it was 05-06 versus what Panarin is slash was doing this year. Yeah, indeed, that was 2005-2006, Mark. And the craziest thing about that to me, the season that Yager had in 2005-2006, is that I feel like everybody thought that Yager was pretty much shot, or maybe not shot, but at least getting to the point where he was no longer anything close to resembling an elite player. You know, still a good player, but not somebody who's really going to move the needle and carry a team. Certainly not the way that Yager carried the team on his back that season in 2005-2006. Really just a magical year for Yager. He played all 82 games. He scored 54 goals, dished out 69 assists, and came up with a total of 123 points. It really was crazy. And the other interesting thing there is that was the year after the strike season, and that was when the NHL made a bunch of rule changes, and in some cases, it wasn't even that they changed the rules, it was just they finally decided to enforce rules, and you know, for years, a lot of people have been kind of grabbing Yager and just holding him and preventing him from doing the things that he's capable of doing. And then the NHL said, hey, let's actually call these penalties. And I don't think a single player in this league benefited from that more than Yaramir Yager did. And he came back with a vengeance that season and, and just led the Rangers to the playoffs. Nobody expected the Rangers to do anything that year. And instead, you know, Yager and Lundqvist, that was his first year as well. They kind of spearheaded the Rangers' charge to the postseason. So that was just a fantastic season by Yaramir Yager. 
And if you look at Artemi Panarin through 69 games, he has 32 goals and 63 assists this season for the Rangers for a total of 95 points. And he is firmly in the MVP discussion. And if the Rangers make the postseason, Artemi Panarin has got to be your MVP. And with Panarin, it's different because with Yager, everybody thought he was shot. And then he shocked everybody when he came back with just an unbelievable season. With Panarin, you know, Panarin's only 28. Yager was 31 that season, I believe. And with Panarin... It's more like I think a lot of us didn't realize just how good he was. And this is the best season of his career by any measurable statistic. I think we were all aware of the fact that Artemi Panarin was a darn good hockey player. But to be in the conversation for league MVP and to be among the scoring leaders in this league, I don't know that anybody necessarily saw that coming. So yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting dichotomy there where you've got Yager, who people assumed was washed up, and you've got Panarin, where they didn't realize just how good he was. As far as, you know, who had the better or more impressive season, it's a tough call. And one thing you could definitely do to compare them is to look at their supporting cast. Now, Yager that season, I believe, mostly played on a line with Michael Nylander and I believe Peter Pruka. So he had some help. You know, those guys were solid players, but certainly not Hall of Fame level players. And you could kind of say the same thing for Artemi Panarin right now, playing alongside Ryan Strom and Jesper Foss. Again, they're both solid, but... You know, Panarin has lifted both of those guys. He's elevated both of them. I think Yager did that for Nylander and Pruka. And I think Yager might have also been on the ice at times with Marty Straka. You know, I'm looking at the, the roster right now. Marty Ruchinski, I mean, he probably played with Yager at some point. And I should also mention that, you know, Panarin at least sometimes does get to play alongside Mika Zibanejad, who has just become a phenomenal player. But for the most part, Zibanejad and Panarin have been on opposite lines this season. So I think Yager had a little bit more help doing what he did during that season. Although... You know, both players elevated the guys around them, and that's the mark of a truly great player in this league. Can you make your teammates better? And Yaramir Yager certainly did that in 05 and 06, and Artemi Panarin certainly doing that in this season, first and foremost with Ryan Strom. I mean, nobody saw this coming, the kind of season that Ryan Strom has had, and I think Panarin has even helped some of his defensemen get better. You know, he's linked up with Tony D'Angelo at times, Adam Fox, and then also, you know, on the wing, Jesper Foss. So it's a great debate. And different styles of play as well. You know, Yager, a bigger guy, a stronger guy. It was almost impossible to knock him off the puck if he didn't want to be knocked off the puck. With Panarin, it's a little bit more of a speed game, a little more quickness, a little bit more, you know, taking advantage of great vision. They both have just lethal shots. Yeah, man, it's a tough, as far as like me deciding which one is more impressive, I think I'm going to give the slight edge to Panarin because, again, I think Yager at the time, just had a little bit more help on the Rangers than Panarin currently does. The Rangers are in the middle of a rebuild right here. And the Rangers back then, I mean, I don't know, was it a rebuild? They had missed the playoffs for many, many years going. But I think that was just a case where maybe the Rangers had a little bit better of a team than people realized, and, and Yager just kind of led the charge there. So, yeah, it's really a tough call. I know I'm all over the place here, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Artemi Panarin having a more impressive season this year than Yager did in 2005-2006, just because I think Panarin is doing it with a more inexperienced team, a younger team, and his linemates maybe not quite the level that Yarmir Yager's linemates were in 2005 and 2006. Great question, though, Mark, and thanks for sending it in. And, and really, we could probably do an entire episode on this topic at some point in the future. Maybe we'll look to do that in the offseason, or we might already be in the offseason. We just don't know it yet. But bottom line, we'll take a look at this, this Yager versus Panarin debate in a future episode. We've got a question from Joe Kada. Now, Joe is a really good friend of mine. We work together at NHL.com and MLB.com. And we're going to have to have Joe as a guest on this show sooner or later because 
First of all, he knows his hockey, and he's a big-time Ranger fan. But secondly, we could really tell some stories from NHL.com because there were a lot of nights there where you're working late. It's getting to be 1, 1 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and by then everybody's just delirious, and it pretty much just hits the fan. So there's a lot of really fun stories that we could tell from our days working together at NHL.com. But for now, Joe writes... Do you think we'll ever see Elias Anderson make his way back to the team after going back to Sweden? Or do you think the Rangers are ready to wipe their hands clean of him, essentially wasting the seventh overall pick in the process? Sad emoji face. Yeah, Joe, unfortunately, I think it's going to be the latter. I think we're just at the point where too many bridges have been burned. It's just been one thing after another. And I've talked about this in the past, but... You know, the Rangers are not blameless as it pertains to Elias Anderson because I don't think that, at least at the NHL level, the Rangers ever really put him in a position to succeed because all they would let him do is center the fourth line. And for the most part this season, uh, Elias Anderson was out there with Greg McKaig and Brendan Smith. So you're out there with a career journeyman, a guy who does not score any points whatsoever in McKaig, and then with Smith... He's a converted defenseman. So how exactly are you supposed to get offensive production out of Leas Anderson or anyone for that matter when those are your two line mates? So I think the Rangers really kind of butchered his development, which is weird because I think the Rangers, for the most part, have put a lot of their young players in position to succeed. But for whatever reason, that was not the case with Leas Anderson. And the other point that I made, and I'll, I'll reiterate it here as well, is so Leas Anderson early in the season, as we said, he's on the fourth line. Would it have absolutely killed the Rangers to put Leas Anderson on the third line and move Brett Howden down to the fourth line for one night. Has Brett Howden been so incredible for the Rangers this season that that couldn't have possibly happened, that we couldn't have just done a little bit of an experiment? Give Leas Anderson a little bit of a chance to go out there on the third line and at least play with guys like Brennan Lemieux and Capo Caco who are at least capable of putting the puck in the net. Brennan Smith and Gray McKig, they're just not going to produce points. It's just not going to happen. And I don't dislike either of those two players, but facts are facts. They don't have a lot of offensive scoring prowess. And so I think the Rangers certainly not blameless in the Leas Anderson situation. But then Anderson, you know, it's just a situation where it's one issue after another and, you know, he demands a trade and then he just up and leaves the team. And now, of course, the Rangers have lent Leas Anderson to HV71 of the Swedish Hockey League. But then we've also heard stories with Leas Anderson where, you know, there might be an anxiety issue or maybe he wasn't treated very well by his coaches and or his teammates in the AHL when he was on the Wolfpack. And he didn't produce for the Wolfpack either. I mean, he did next to nothing for the Wolfpack this season. So it's just one of those things where we don't really know the full story even now. You know, and a lot of this happened, you know, several months ago, and we still don't know all the details. But to me, it just seems like a situation where, it's just been one thing after the next, and I just don't know that we're ever going to see Leas Anderson make his way back to the Rangers and become at least an effective player. So yeah, and if that's the case, clearly the Rangers did indeed waste that seventh overall pick on Leas Anderson. Now, of course, the alternative is that the Rangers could trade him to another team, but if you're Jeff Gordon and you're the Rangers front office, how much can you possibly expect to get in return for Leas Anderson? You're certainly not going to get a first round draft pick, maybe a later round draft pick, maybe a middling prospect in return for Anderson, the type of player who maybe needs a change of scenery just like Leas Anderson does. But yeah, if I had to put money on this, will we ever see Leas Anderson skate in another game for the Rangers at the NHL level? I'm going to say no. And it's unfortunate that it didn't work out, but Hopefully, the Rangers can at least salvage it and get something for Leas Anderson in a trade going forward. Last question of the day comes from Brian Fogelstrom. Fogey and me were baseball teammates for a couple of years, and I'll tell you something about Fogey. Give me a one-run lead and Fogey on the mound with three outs to go any day of the week. He's going to lock it down. And Fogey writes, 
I think the biggest question for me right now, and especially with NHL on hiatus for Corona, is what this means for Hank. Do the Rangers buy him out? Does he waive his no-trade clause? In my mind, Shesty and Georgie are our duo going forward. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit earlier in the episode, and it's a great question, Brian. You know, I I think in a perfect world, for me at least, I would like to see Henrik Lundqvist, again, waive his no-move clause and accept a trade to another team, preferably a team that has a chance of winning the Stanley Cup next season, because for me, there would be no better way for Henrik Lundqvist to end his career than by lifting the Stanley Cup, and if that has to come with him wearing another jersey, then so be it. But I just don't know that Henrik Lundqvist is going to do that. You know, he's he's loyal to the Rangers to a fault. And you got to remember, you know, there's a human aspect to this as well. He is 38 years old now. He's got two kids. He's married. And I don't think he wants to uproot his entire family from New York to Colorado just for one last crack at the Stanley Cup. So I, I think with Lundqvist, he's just comfortable in New York. And I think it means something for him to finish his career as a New York Ranger. And there's certainly some honor in that, that he didn't jump ship as soon as the Rangers went into the rebuild and he hung in there for all these extra years here with the Rangers. But does he waive his no trade clause, his no move clause? I I don't believe he does. And, And I said the same thing coming into the trade deadline this season. I wish he would move his no move clause so that he can have a chance to go win a Stanley Cup somewhere else. But I I just, you know, everything I know about Henrik Lundqvist, everything that we've seen as Ranger fans, and again, he's been here now for, what is it, like 15 years now, you know, just seeing him in interviews, I've never met him personally, but it just seems like, you know, obviously we've gotten to know him a little bit over the years, and it just seems like his intentions all along have been to play out his contract with the Rangers, and, and more likely than not, hang up his skates after next season when his contract does run out. So, no, I really don't think he's going to move his no-move clause. I said the same thing at the deadline this year. I don't think it'll happen in the offseason either, but you never know. It's possible that he has a change of heart. Maybe the Rangers can talk him into waiving that clause and he can go somewhere else. But then the other tricky thing is, you know, which team in the NHL is going to invest in Henrik Lundqvist right now? It would have to be a team that values his veteran leadership, that probably sees him as a backup goalie, and be a team that has a significant amount of cap space to play around with because, you know, again, Henrik Lundqvist, 38 years old, he will make $5.5 million next season. But again, that's still a significant chunk of change for a 38-year-old backup goalie. And that doesn't mean that nobody will be interested. Somebody might feel like they can take that contract, especially since it is indeed the last year of his contract. But yeah, that's a lot of hoops to jump through because, you know, it all starts with Lundqvist waving his no-move clause, and then you got to find a trading partner who's willing to take on that money and, and pretty much, I mean, let's be honest, overpay for Henrik Lundqvist, who is likely to be a backup goalie. I can't see any team that is in contention or, or thinks it will be a Stanley Cup contender next season hitching their wagon to Henrik Lundqvist at this point. They, they might bring him in as a backup, but I can't see anybody looking at him as, you know, the goalie, the player that's going to get them over the hump and win a Stanley Cup next year. But yeah, I would love to see it happen. I would love to see him wave the no-move clause and go get himself a Stanley Cup or at least have a chance to. Now, as far as the Rangers buying him out, to answer the other part of your question, I think this kind of depends on what happens with Alex Georgiev because if the Rangers re-sign Alex Georgiev, and I don't think that's a slam dunk, 
Georgiev is a restricted free agent after this season, and it is possible that a team might look to bring him in. They might like what they see. He's still a young goalie. He's 24 years old. He's showed some potential this year for the Rangers. So there might be some teams that are, are willing to, to spend a, a decent amount of money on Alex Georgiev. And if the Rangers hang on to Georgiev, he's clearly going to be the backup to Igor Shosturkin, I would think. Shosturkin has just been unbelievable. He has been as advertised. And I don't think the Rangers are going to spend a lot of money on a backup goalie. They never have in the past because, you know, they got rid of Cam Talbot. He was traded and they had to trade Antti Ranta as well. Anti Ranta, the situation's a little different because the, the Knights were going to take him in the expansion draft, so they had to either basically trade him or lose him. But bottom line, the Rangers, and really most teams, don't spend a whole lot of money on backup goalies. So I don't know. I think Georgiev only stays with the Rangers if the price is right, and if he doesn't stay, then I think there's a decent chance that the Rangers just keep Lundqvist around as Igor Shesterkin's backup, and he just plays sparingly next year in the last year of his contract. So hopefully that shines a little bit of light on what the Rangers might do with their goalies. I know that's kind of a hot topic around the team, and thank you, Fogey, for the question. But we are out of time for today, so once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com, and absolutely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. That wraps up this edition of Locked On New York Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day. I'll see you guys tomorrow.